Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 41. Today we are looking at the theme of a mediator. A mediator is a person who goes between two parties. And Jesus is that final mediator we need. We see evidence of a need for a mediator in any kind of temple, place where heaven and earth meet. A priest is often considered a mediator. And here in our passages today, we'll see how Jesus is the true and better and final mediator that we need. So we'll begin today in Leviticus chapter 24. The Lord spoke to Moses, Command the Israelites to bring to you pure oil of beaten olives for the light, to make a lamp burning continually. Outside the special curtain of the congregation, in the meeting tent, Aaron must arrange it from evening until morning before the Lord continually. This is a perpetual statute throughout your generations. On the ceremonially pure lampstand, he must arrange the lamps before the Lord continually. You must take choice wheat flour and bake twelve loaves. There must be two tenths of an ephah of flour in each loaf, and you must set them in two rows, six in a row, on the ceremonially pure table before the Lord. You must put pure frankincense on each row, and it will become a memorial portion for the bread, a gift to the Lord. Each Sabbath day Aaron must arrange it before the Lord continually. This portion is from the Israelites as a perpetual covenant. It will belong to Aaron and his sons, and they must eat it in a holy place because it is most holy to him, a perpetually allotted portion from the gifts of the Lord. Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the Israelites, and the Israelite woman's son and an Israelite man had a fight in the camp. The Israelite woman's son misused the name and cursed, so they brought him to Moses. Now his mother's name was Shelometh, daughter of Dibri of the tribe of Dan. So they placed him in custody until they were able to make a clear legal decision for themselves based on words from the mouth of the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Bring the one who cursed outside the camp, and all who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and the whole congregation is to stone him to death. Moreover, you are to tell the Israelites, If any man curses his God, he will bear responsibility for his sin, and one who misuses the name of the Lord must surely be put to death. The whole congregation must surely stone him, whether he is a resident foreigner or a native citizen. When he misuses the name, he must be put to death. If a man beats any person to death, he must be put to death. One who beats an animal to death must make restitution for it, life for life. If a man inflicts an injury on his fellow citizen, just as he has done it, he must, it must be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Just as he inflicts an injury on another person, that same injury must be inflicted on him. One who beats an animal to death must make restitution for it. The one who beats a person to death must be put to death. There will be one regulation for you, whether a resident foreigner or a native citizen, for I am the Lord your God. Then Moses spoke to the Israelites, and they brought the one who cursed outside the camp and stoned him with stones. So the Israelites did just as the Lord had commanded Moses. 
And the Lord spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and tell them, When you enter the land that I am giving you, the land must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. Six days you may sow your field, and six years you may prune your vineyard and gather the produce. But in the seventh year the land must have a Sabbath of complete rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not sow your field or prune your vineyard. You must not gather in the aftergrowth of your harvest, and you must not pick the grapes of your unpruned vines. The land must have a year of complete rest. You may have the Sabbath produce of the land to eat, you, your male servant, your female servant, and your hired worker, the resident foreigner who stays with you, your cattle, and the wild animals that are in your land. All its produce will be for you to eat. You must count off seven weeks of seven years, seven times seven years, and the days of the seven weeks of years will amount to forty-nine years. You must sound loud horn blasts in the seventh month on the tenth day of the month on the Day of Atonement. You must sound the horn in your entire land. So you must consecrate the fiftieth year, and you must proclaim a release in the land for all its inhabitants. That year will be your jubilee. Each one of you must return to his property and each one of you must return to his clan. That fiftieth year will be your jubilee. You must not sow the land, harvest its aftergrowth, or pick the grapes of its unpruned vines. Because that year is a jubilee, it will be holy to you. You may eat its produce from the field. In this year of jubilee, you must each return to your property. If you make a sale to your fellow citizen or buy from your fellow citizen, no one is to wrong his brother. You may buy it from your fellow citizen according to the number of years since the last jubilee. He may sell it to you according to the years of produce that are left. The more years there are, the more you may make its purchase price. And the fewer years there are, the less you must make its purchase price because he is only selling to you a number of years of produce. No one is to oppress his fellow citizen, but you may fear your God because I am the Lord your God. You must obey my statutes and my regulations. You must be sure to keep them so that you may live securely in the land. The land will give its fruit, and you may eat it until you are satisfied, and you may live securely in the land. If you say, What will we eat in the seventh year if we do not sow or gather our produce? I will command my blessing for you in the sixth year so that it may yield produce for three years, and you may sow the eighth year and eat from that sixth year's produce, the old produce. Until you bring in the ninth year's produce, you may eat old produce. The land must not be sold without reclaim, because the land belongs to me, for you are foreign residents, temporary settlers with me. In all your landed property, you must provide for the right of redemption of that land. If your brother becomes impoverished and sells some of his property, his near redeemer is to come to you and redeem what his brother sold. If a man has no redeemer, but he prospers and gains enough for his redemption. He is to calculate the value of the years it was sold, refund the balance to the man to whom he had sold it, and return to his property. If he has not prospered enough to refund a balance to him, then what he sold will belong to the one who bought it until the jubilee year, but it must revert in the jubilee year, and the original owner may return to his property. If a man sells a residential house in a walled city, its right of redemption must extend until one full year from its sale. Its right of redemption must extend to a full calendar year. If it is not redeemed before the full calendar year is ended, the house in the walled city will belong without reclaim to the one who bought it and throughout his generations. It will not revert in the year of Jubilee. The houses of villages, however, which have no walled surrounding them, must be considered as the field of the land.
they will have the right of redemption and must revert in the year of Jubilee. As for the cities of the Levites, the houses in the cities which they possess, the Levites have a perpetual right of redemption. Whatever someone among the Levites might redeem, the sale of a house which is his property in a city must revert in the year of Jubilee, because the houses of the cities of the Levites are their property in the midst of the Israelites. Moreover, the open field areas of their cities must not be sold, because that is their perpetual possession. If your brother comes impoverished and is indebted to you, you must support him. He must live with you like a foreign resident. Do not take interest or profit from him, but you must fear your God, and your brother must live with you. You must not lend him your money at at interest, and you must not sell him food for profit. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt to give you the land of Canaan, to be your God. If your brother becomes impoverished with regard to you so that he sells himself to you, you must not subject him to slave service. He must be with you as a hired worker, as a resident foreigner. He must serve with you until the year of Jubilee. But then he may go free, he and his children with him, and may return to his family and to the property of his ancestors. Since the Israelites are my servants, whom I brought up from the land of Egypt, they must not be sold in slave sale. You must not rule over them harshly, but you must fear your God. As for your male and female slaves who, you may, who may belong to you, you may buy male and female slaves from the nations around you. Also, you may buy slaves from the children of foreigners who reside with you and from their families that are with you, whom they have fathered in your land. They may become your property. You may give them as an inheritance to your children after you possess as property. You may enslave them perpetually. However, as for your brothers, the Israelites, no man may rule over his brother harshly. If a resident foreigner who is with you prospers and your brother becomes impoverished with regard to him so that he sells himself to a resident foreigner who is with you or to a member of a foreigner's family, after he has sold himself, he retains a right of redemption. One of his brothers may redeem him, or his uncle or his cousin may redeem him, or any one of the rest of his blood relatives, his family, may redeem him, or if he prospers, he may redeem himself. He must calculate with the one who bought him the number of years from the year he sold himself until the year of Jubilee, and the cost of his sale must correspond to the number of years according to the rate of wages of a hired worker would have earned while with him. If there are still many years in keeping with them, he must refund most of the cost of his purchase for his redemption. But if only a few years remain until the Jubilee, he must calculate for himself in keeping with the remaining years and refund it for his redemption." He must be with the one who bought him like a yearly hired worker. The one who bought him must not rule over him harshly in your sight. If, however, he is not redeemed in these ways, he must go free in the year of Jubilee, he and his children with him. Because the Israelites are my own servants, they are my servants whom I brought up out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Well, again, we have a bunch of different laws, but one of the things that's come through over and over again is that God does want to see Uh, a year of jubilee, a year of rest every seven years, and every 50th year, a year where all people are returned to their property, are no longer slaves, and we see God's grace and his mercy. As far as we know, however, the Israelites did not do this. They did not practice this. They ignored God's law. And as we continue in the story of the Old Testament in the weeks to come, we'll see the consequences for the fact that they refused to listen to God. And now Psalm 81, which is really a psalm that reminds us that God rescued his people from Egypt, but also that that means they should obey and follow God. 
because of his rescuing grace out of slavery. Psalm 81. For the music director, according to the Gatith style by Asaph, shout for joy to God, our source of strength. Shout out to the God of Jacob. Sing a song and play the tambourine, the pleasant sounding harp and the 10 stringed instrument. Sound the ram's horn on the day of the new moon and on the day of the full moon when our festival begins. For observing the festival is a requirement for Israel. It is an ordinance given by the God of Jacob. He decreed it as a regulation in Joseph. When he attacked the land of Egypt, I heard a voice I did not recognize. It said, I removed the burden from his shoulder. His hands were released from holding the basket. In your distress, you called out and I rescued you. I answered you from a dark thundercloud. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. I said, listen, my people, I will warn you. O Israel, if only you would obey me. There must be no other God among you. You must not worship a foreign God. I am the Lord, your God, the one who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not obey me. Israel did not submit to me. I gave them over to their stubborn desires. They did what seemed right to them. If only my people would obey me. If only Israel would keep my commands. Then I would quickly subdue their enemies and attack their adversaries. May those who hate the Lord cower in fear before him. May they be permanently humiliated. I would feed Israel the best wheat, and I would satisfy your appetite with honey from rocky cliffs. And we conclude today uh, by reading from Hebrews chapter 9, which gives us the answer as to how, even though we fail to listen to God and follow his laws and don't obey the way we should, we see that God in his grace sends Jesus to be the mediator we need, the one who is the go-between between us and God and who makes the better sacrifice than any other sacrifice before. Hebrews chapter 9. Now the first covenant, in fact, had regulations for worship and its earthly sanctuary. For a tent was prepared, the outer one, which contained the lampstand, the table, and the presentation of the loaves. This is called the holy place. And after the second curtain, there was a tent called the Holy of Holies. It contained the golden altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered entirely with gold. In this ark were the golden urn containing the manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the stone tablets of the covenant. And above the ark were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing the mercy seat. Now is not the time to speak of these things in detail. So with these things prepared like this, the priests enter continually into the outer tent as they perform their duties. But only the high priest enters once a year into the inner tent and not without blood that he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is making clear that the way into the holy place had not yet appeared as long as the old tabernacle was standing. This was a symbol for the time then present, when gifts and sacrifices were offered that could not perfect the conscience of the worshiper. They served only for matters of food and drink and various ritual washings, They are external regulations imposed until the new order came. But now, Christ has come as the high priest of the good things to come. He passed through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. And he entered once for all into the most holy place, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. And so he himself secured eternal redemption. 
For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkled on those who are defiled consecrated them and provided ritual purity, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciences from dead works to worship the living God? And so he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the internal, eternal inheritance he has promised since he died to set them free from the violations committed under the first covenant. For where there is a will, the death of the one who made it must be proven. For a will takes effect only at death, since it carries no force while the one who made it is alive. So even the first covenant was inaugurated with blood. For when Moses had spoken every command to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all its people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that God has commanded you to keep. And both the tabernacle and all the utensils of worship he likewise sprinkled with blood. Indeed, according to the law, almost everything was purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. So it was necessary for the sketches of the things in heaven to be purified with these sacrifices, But the heavenly things themselves required better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, the representation of the true sanctuary, but into heaven itself. And he appears now in God's presence for us. And he did not enter to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the sanctuary year after year with the blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer again and again since the foundation of the world. But now... He has appeared once for all at the consummation of the ages to put away sin by his sacrifice. And just as people were appointed to die once and then to face judgment, so also after Christ was offered once to bear sins of many, to those who eagerly await him, he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation. That is the great news. Jesus is the one who goes into the holy place and with his own blood makes complete atonement, forgiveness for our sins. And that's why we do not worry about judgment when we put our faith and trust in Jesus because he comes to bring ultimate and complete salvation when he returns. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're-